It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome. Welcome back to Money for Lunch. I'm, oh, man, I'm just uh, coming off a great weekend. I hope your weekend was uh, fantastic as well and hope that you're enjoying the overall summer. Uh, the, uh, our neighbors in California are being rocked by uh, a bunch of earthquakes. And uh, so, you know, uh, blessings for them and, and hopefully uh, minimal uh, tragedy, catastrophes, costs. <laughs> anyway, wishing them the best of luck. Um, you know what? I, I uh, am excited. I have Karen Rinaldi on the show with me today. And we're going to be talking about it's great to suck at something. And I'm excited to have her on the show because I think our society sometimes makes such a big show, if you will. We, we only seem to reward excellence or uh, being really good or, you know, an expert at something, right? Uh, seldom do we celebrate trying. Seldom is that reward at all. Um, so I'm excited to have her on the show. And we're going to be getting, um, what do you call it, uh, talking with her shortly. Um, just real quick, I wanted to do a shout out to Chris E., Christopher E., out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. Christopher E., thank you so much. Christopher, uh, like a lot of people, went and went to... Um, <laughs> Somebody just handed me something, threw me off track. Anyway, so Christopher, uh, like a lot of people, have gone to dominatingyourmind.com. Dominatingyourmind.com is, is uh, my book, and you can get it on Amazon for like 20 bucks plus some shipping, or you can go to dominatingyourmind.com and get the book for free. Just pay the shipping. So it's up to you, your choice. But check it out. Uh, Dominating Your Mind is about crushing your fears, destroying your doubts, and becoming unstoppable. Thank you, Christopher, and uh, just appreciate the support. Um, all right, let's go. Let's get started with the quote of the day. The quote of the day is, a failure is not always a mistake. It may simply be the best one can do under the circumstances. Real, the real mistake is to stop trying by B.F. Skinner. I love that quote. Having said that, let's bring on Karen Rinaldi. Karen Rinaldi has worked in the publishing industry for over two decades. In 2012, she founded the imprint Harper Wave at HarperCollins. The feature film, Maggie's Plan, is based on her novel, The End of Men. Karen has been published in New York Times, Oprah.com, Time, Lit Hub, and a bunch of other publications. Karen Oldie, welcome to Money for Lunch. Hi. Thanks, Bert. Thanks for having me on. You bet. I have to tell you, I'm excited to talk to you about this awesome book. It's great to suck at something. Um, and it's just, I think, uh, as I said earlier in the show, I think sometimes we don't give enough credit to people who are trying 
and and maybe they they're sucking for lack of better terms, but you know, <laughs> I, I think I, I think sucking. You know, no matter who you are, you're gonna suck until you don't. Absolutely. So uh, uh, I'm excited. Yep. I'm excited. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you're you you totally you totally nailed it. I mean, the thing is, is you're 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 gonna you're gonna suck at a lot of things, but. Um, Hopefully that you can not, you know, you can get rid of the critic in your head, not beat yourself up too much for it, and that's part of what this practice is all about: is getting you to a place, getting all of us to a place where we can turn off that super critical kind of nasty voice in our heads um, and forgive ourselves for being less than perfect because none of us are, um, and get on with it. But there's a way of practicing that, and that's what this book is about. Yeah, no, I love it. I can't wait to do a little bit deeper dive. So real quick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You've been, as I mentioned in the intro there, you've been in the publishing uh, industry for a while. Was that your plan from the get-go? Was this something that accidentally happened to you? Tell us how, you know, a little bit about your background and how you got into publishing. Um, You know what? It wasn't. It was something I wound up stumbling into after a couple of uh, fits and starts. So, um, like everything, or like a lot of things, the path was zigzag for me. It wasn't a direct, a straight line to um, uh, this career, which has been incredibly rewarding. <clears throat> but, you know, I started out in- incongruously uh, as a tax accountant at Price Waterhouse, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense at all and is probably the least sexy thing on earth to do. Um, and, but that's the story of how I got there. But I did that for like four years. I had a I hadn't. I weirdly had some kind of talent for it. I'm not sure what that was about, but I wasn't very happy doing it. So I dropped out. I I left that career path and I went into graduate school um, because I did love literature, um, books and literature more than anything in the world. And I studied French literature, but after about a year and a half in grad school, I was frustrated with academia. And so I was a little bit lost and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And it was a friend who suggested, well, if you're good at business and if you love books, maybe you want to be in the business of books, maybe you should try publishing. And I thought, oh, that's an idea. And I had no idea that was even an option, really, because I, I, it wasn't something apparent to me. And, you know, it took me a while to get a job in publishing, but I kind of, you know, stuck with it. And uh, once I walked in the door at Random House in 1988, so it's been almost – it's been 30 years, um, I knew I was in the right place. I mean, I, I was home, I felt comfortable, and it's been um, it's been a really nice livelihood. Um, yeah, what a neat story. What a, I just <laughs> love that story. I mean, <laughs> it, yeah. it, you know, here you are uh, not even realizing that that's a thing, right? That, hey, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and thank goodness for sometimes that we have friends and coaches and mentors that are able to say, hey, you have this strength and this strength. Why don't you consider doing this? And my goodness, what would have happened to you, you know, if that friend wouldn't have come along? You probably would have been, you probably would have gotten into publishing eventually, but maybe it would have been five years later. It might have been, you know, uh, 10 years later. Who knows? Yeah, it might have been, it might have been never. I mean, there's some serendipity. There's some serendipity there. There's also the idea of, you know, talking out loud, Again, in a way, 
and I wouldn't, you know, now that you just said that, I wouldn't have tied this at all to my to the book. It's great to suck at something, but in a way, I was kind of failing at finding my calling and my livelihood. But in admitting that I was failing, right, by starting something and leaving, and starting something else and then leaving that. And by the way, it wasn't easy. I went through a total crisis when I dropped out of grad school, and I thought I thought all I wanted to do was study literature, and it's not making me happy. What am I? Who am I? And I really went through a crisis of of like of who the heck who 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 I was and and voicing that and being open and talking to people about it you know it wasn't one person there were a couple of people who said you know I think publishing might be right for you and then there were other people who said you know publishing is not for people like you you know you didn't go to you didn't go to the right schools you didn't get a degree in english you know you know i didn't have I didn't realize I, I didn't have access in the way, in the normal path of things. What I did have was a lot of grit. <laughs> I had a lot of experience in the world. I had done a lot of hard work. So I was, you know, I, I was prepared to sort of dig in. But in a way, I had to start at the very beginning again. So I took literally took a 50% pay cut in salary to get into publishing um, and start all over again. So I guess, I guess even before the idea of sucking at something occurred to me many years later, I probably was getting pretty used to the idea of kind of these false starts and failures as a way of jumping forward and, uh, and you know, until you find the right thing. And, and when I did enter publishing, I knew I was home because I, I loved it then. I love it now. I mean, you know, I feel very, very fortunate to have found it. But it wasn't – it definitely wasn't an easy route. But, you know, what is? <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and, and what I love about that, and, and this is when – you know that you're doing something for the right reason. And that is when you're willing to start over and take a massive pay cut because it resonates with you so strongly, right? There's, you know, in our society, making big money so you can have the big career and the big house and the big cars and oh, yeah. all the big stuff that goes with it is so uh, – uh, overrated. And overrated. <laughs> overrated. And, and I, you know, I, I, I talk all the time about how we need to fix our school system, or at least how how things are being, you know, uh, explained or taught at school. And, and and I can't remember the gentleman's name. He says, are, are you know, uh, are our children are they being taught or are they being trained? Which is like, wow, that's a big aha. But you know, what if, what if there was a class? A, re- a requirement uh, that you take a class that's about exploring what you really want to do, what you really love to do, and maybe even deal with all those kids. Cause I was one of those kids coming out of high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I know yeah. I was supposed to go to college, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you why I was in college. And so I dropped out my first year. And interestingly enough, kind of uh, analogous to your story, my buddy, him and I went to school the first year together. We're both lost. And he did something, and I don't know why I didn't do the same thing, but he decided to go and talk to a counselor, and the counselor looked at his transcript and said, you know, you're really good in math, and you have this, uh, this uh, uh, kind of this uh, science, uh, you're strong in the sciences, why don't yeah. you consider computer science? And he went to computer science, and he loved it, and he ended up working for Microsoft, and within a few years, I think four years after being working for Microsoft, he's one of those Microsoft millionaires. Oh, wow. um, and, 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 and it's like, wow, I don't know why I didn't do that. But it, it made so much sense to him. 
I, and it made so, I'm rephrasing, it made so much sense for him when he, you know, and but I just thought, man, I don't know if the counselor is going to really tell me anything. I don't know. Anyway, maybe it was fear. I can't remember why I didn't go. But bottom line is, uh, thank goodness for your friend and, and, and for counselors out there that are helped to help uh, put two and two together. So the book, again, we're talking with Karen Rinaldi, and the book is called It's Great to Suck at Something, The Unexpected Joy of Wiping Out and What It Could Teach Us About Patience, Resilience, and the Stuff That Really Matters. Why write this book? What was the inspiration? Because your last book was a novel, and now you're kind of in a completely different environment. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, I definitely have a split brain um, when it comes to my writing, and I write both fiction and nonfiction, though my voice, I feel like my voice really finds its place in nonfiction. Again, another um, another thing I had to learn by writing fiction for a really long time and not publishing it, and I published The End of Men, it became a movie. I love that book, but <clears throat> I really found my voice in nonfiction. And this book came about really from um, a germ of an idea um, from about 12 years ago, <laughs> and that stuck in my head. And I was learning to surf at the time, and someone had used the phrase, it's great to suck at something, in reference to my son and the struggles he was having at school. Um, And I saw when this person said to my son, Rocco, oh, it's great to suck at something, because he was really struggling with handwriting, and he had sensory issues, and and I watched the, the kind of relief that he felt in the permission to not have to be good at everything or to not have to be good or just the acceptance of our failures or flaws. And at the time, I was learning to surf, and I was really bad at it, and I was frustrated, but I was very compelled by it. And I thought, how do I keep going? And the way I kept going was by hearing this voice in my head saying, it's really great to suck at something, meaning I don't have to be good at surfing. I love it. I can forgive myself for not being good at it, and I can just keep trying. And in the process of trying, what I realized is I was learning so much about myself, right? I was learning that I had infinite reserves of patience that I didn't always exhibit <laughs> otherwise, that I could forgive myself for you know, struggling at something that was actually very, very hard to learn. Surfing is very hard to learn when you start at a late age. I started at 40, which is absurd. Um, But I mean, I surfed all weekend. I mean, I surf all the time. I mean, it is one of the most important things I do, but probably the thing for which I show the least talent. And so I kept asking myself, why do I do it? Because I was curious about this tension between not being good at it, but loving it anyway. And I realized a part of it was that I didn't have to be good at it. I have to be good at my job. I have to be try to be a good parent. I have to try to be a good partner and daughter and sister and friend and in all these other things. Um, but I, I, I felt like surfing was one of the things I could just paddle out and struggle with and kind of enjoy that struggle. And when I catch a wave, it's gravy. It's all good. And I do get better. That's the thing. You say you have to suck at things in the beginning. So I think a lot of things is that we don't enter new activities or new worlds or new communities because we're afraid we won't be wanted, that we won't excel. That we're... I was just talking to somebody this morning about boxing. And he's like, oh, I always wanted to box, but I'm afraid I'm not going to be good at it. And I said, so? <laughs> so what? <laughs> Well, you're not, you're not going to you're not, not going to be a prize fighter. You're just going to go spar to get exercise and learn some new skills. And you know, boxing is really fun, right? It's really hard. Talk about hard. I mean, it's the thing that kicks your butt more than anything. But it was funny because his first thing was, "Yeah, I'm just afraid that I'm not going to be good at it." And I hear that a lot. And I think, why keep yourself from so much experience and joy? 
um, if you can get rid of that notion of, you know, I won't be good at it and get rid of that critic, I think we ought, we open ourselves up to so much experience, joy, community. Uh, there's a lot that can happen in that space. Absolutely. You know, I don't know, Karen, where we as human beings uh, leave, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when you're a child, and I've been, you know, my wife and I have been blessed. We have five kids, and all oh, my beautiful. kids, you see them, you see them go through this this change, right? Where, and I don't know if it's around, I think seven or eight or nine, maybe when they start getting into elementary school and, and they're starting to feel maybe some peer pressure. I'm not really sure when, but there's that, you know, a kid will try anything. They, they don't care about what they look like. They, they don't care about failure. They don't, they're out there to have fun and everything to totally. them is, is, is some version of fun. And let's try this because it might be fun. And then, that disappears and it's replaced by fear and doubt. And uh, I'm going to be criticized. I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be found unworthy and therefore unlovable. And uh, I'm not going to even try. And, and I, I just, uh, that's what I'm saying. It'd be nice to have that as a requirement in high school, maybe in college where, you know, what, what a great class to take. You must have, you, you know, uh, you have to take the class that says, you know, sucking at something. Uh, that would be a, a spectacular class, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd love to teach that class. It's funny because the application for this for students and children, like you just were talking about, is something that people people grab onto right away. Even when I published the original essay in the New York Times uh, two years ago, the um, following week they actually published it again in something called, I think it was called the Learning Annex, but it was a part of the New York Times that was geared towards educators and and, and for students because the point is that we don't always have to get the trophy or the gold star. I mean, you just have to try. And that peer pressure that we feel, I think the peer pressure just comes from the greater culture at large. And if the culture at large were, were more forgiving and inclusive, and by the way, kids are talented in all kinds of things. Just because a kid yeah. can't throw a ball doesn't mean a kid wouldn't be a good team leader, wouldn't be a good you know, manager, wouldn't, you know, I feel like there are so many aspects of kids' lives that we'd fail to see even or acknowledge because, you know, we say you have to be good at sports and you have to be on the National Honor Society. And it's okay to strive for these things. But, you know, again, my son, who really struggled in school um, terribly because of his fine motor skill problems and sensory issues and his teachers thought he wasn't paying attention, he had learning uh, problems. And by the time we he went to high school and then by the time he was a senior in high school, he became valedictorian of his class without wow. those skills. And that, a lot of that was just saying, you know what? So it's okay to suck at something. He still can't write. He can't take notes. He's a, he's a senior in college. He's getting straight A's and he still can't, he literally can't write and he can't, it doesn't work. Like it doesn't translate from his brain to his hand to his page. And you know what? It, once you say that's okay, instead of forcing him to say, if you don't learn to write, then you're not going to be able to do your homework. You're not going to make neat papers. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he couldn't do a neat paper if his life depended on it. And you go, okay, let's 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 just um, hold on. Sorry about that, Bert. That's all right. 
ten. But you know what? Yeah, that's okay. But you know, you know what I mean. So I mean, we just have to forgive and let our kids. And you just said, you said the greatest thing though about your own kids is that they're afraid at the end. If you if you go all the way to the end, they're afraid that they won't be worthy of love, and that should break our hearts because they are worthy of love no matter what they're doing. Of course they are, but that's not the message they get from our culture. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, and and it's it's uh, it's alarming because when you look at uh, the you know the kids when you look at kids who join gangs for example versus yeah. those who did not join gangs a lot of the, the major difference isn't that the parents were home uh, which but it was that they felt loved and accepted at home versus not uh, a yeah. child that's being abused at home. Versus, you know, whether they're being abused physically or mentally or emotionally or, you know, whatever, because all of those are real abuses. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, is not going to feel loved. They're not going to feel accepted. And so if a gang is going to accept them, let me tell you, they're going to go to a gang or they're going to go hang out in the street corner uh, or they're going to go someplace where a group of people accept them as they are with all their shortcomings and all their yeah. failings or, you know, whatever. Uh, so. To me, that that like you said, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, uh, you know, here in America and, and globally and all that other stuff. And, and um, all right, so I love it. Uh, again, the book is called "It's Great to Suck at Something." Uh, I think this is something that everybody should be forced to uh, read. <laughs> and if they can't read it, maybe get a. Uh, get the audio book or whatever, but, you know, because we have to, you know, we have to embrace sucking at stuff because no matter what you do, uh, Zig Ziglar said this many years ago, he's passed away now, but it stuck with me forever. And he says, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly enough times until you can do it right. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. and, And we forget that, but, you know, you mentioned uh, learning how to fight. There isn't, there isn't a prize fighter who didn't get his butt kicked. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> several times before he became a prize fighter. It's just, you know, it's 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 the price that they pay, right? And 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 you know, what's also funny to me, uh, Karen, is when you look at some of these paintings that people paid millions and millions of dollars for, and they're just blotches. And you know that uh, anybody, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, anybody could have thrown stuff on a canvas, but yet somebody said, hey, you know, that's a great painting. It's, it's whatever, and it's worth millions of dollars. And somebody said, yeah, I agree with you. Here's millions of dollars. Come on. But yeah, <laughs> so it goes to show you that, that like a lot of things in life, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So oh, yeah. what, you know, so what you think you suck at, Somebody may look at you and say, "Dude, that's fantastic," or "Do that. You're wonderful. It's just amazing <laughs> that you that you do that so well. I've never seen anybody burn food like that before. You're awesome." <laughs> that's so good. That is so good. Yeah. Well, you know what? If we all if we all accept that we're going to suck at something, or personally, not other people, what happens to? And you're, you're kind of touching on something 
um, that I think is a, a knock-on effect of, of accepting that we might try things and do them with joy and love in our hearts but not be good at it. And once we accept that in ourselves, then we can start, well, first of all, we can stop judging other people. You know, and people are always looking at other people. So the thing about it's great to suck at something, that's about your suckitude. It's not about looking at other people and go, that poor person sucks. It's about saying, you tried, how awesome. You wiped right. out. One of the things I love about surfing um, is that the community of surfing, it can, be, it can be pretty judgmental and pretty tough, and it can be also incredibly accepting. It's actually both extremes um, sort of all the time. But, you know, one of my friends, I'd go paddle out with him, and he would just, you know, he would applaud my wipeouts. Like, I would get hammered, and he'd be like, that was awesome! You know what I mean? And, like, that's an amazing thing to do, as opposed to saying, oh, you missed that wave, you cooked out, you were too far back on your board, you know, you missed the drop, you missed the turn, blah, blah. There's so many criticisms that I could get when I miss a wave or or a cook out or wipe out on a wave. And what he would do was just applaud the wipeouts. And that was amazing freedom. And I thought, exactly. And by the way, this guy is a really excellent surfer. He's a, he's a, you know, near pro. So it's not like he was a kook as well, but his point was you're out here, you're doing this. How awesome is that? And you can, we become a lot more kind and forgiving to other people and less judgmental once we stop doing those things for ourselves. Listen, all that judgment, all that hate online, um, all of the kind, all of the haters, right? You just, if you just go and you look at, you know who they're talking to? They're not talking to anybody else. Who are they talking to? Themselves. They're, talking to, they're only talking to themselves. So if you take these haters and said, you know what, just stop. Forgive yourself for being X, Y, or Z. Now, what, you know, this is where it matters, you know, and stop judging other people. As soon as they find self-forgiveness, I'm telling you, there's, there's no hate to be have, had if you love yourself. I mean, that's an old, it's, it's biblical, right? It really is. Right. But, it's, but it's real and it's reliable. And so sucking at something, my thing is like practice something where the stakes aren't that high. Play tennis, play golf, go into the boxing ring to spar, um, you know, um, paint, knit, do whatever, you, you know, macrame, whatever you want to do, do it, let yourself do it badly at first. You might get good at it. You might find you have a skill for it. Listen, I don't have a skill for surfing. I will never be a good surfer. You know what? It will never stop me from doing it, though. And like I said, I would rather surf than do anything. And it's crazy. And I realize that just gives me the freedom to sort of be imperfect in all the other aspects of my life where I'm going to try like hell to be good. And I think I am good at a lot of things. But even the things I'm good at, I definitely mess things up. <laughs> I mean, I sure screw things up, you know. And then instead of, you know, spending all that time going, oh, man, I'm a really good cook, right? I cook a lot of food. I'm really good at it. I can still make crap food sometimes. I don't know. Something will happen. I'll just make the thing. I burn. I burned something this weekend so badly in the kitchen that there were flames in the oven. I mean, it was hilarious. But it was like, I know better, right? But they, there they were. My son said, Mama. I can smell smoke, and I opened the the oven door, and it was in they were in there were flames coming out of the door, and you know it was and I thought I've been doing this for forty years and I still screw up, and I, it was funny. I mean, it was just funny, you know. I ruined the thing that I was cooking, and then you have to just pivot and do something else. But you know, the thing yeah. is, is that when you practice this. You really do practice forgiving yourself for the for the for the stuff you're even good at when you mess it up, and there's a lot of beauty in there. In that. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I just love the whole thing about uh, you 
sucking at surfing, and I'm going to do it anyway, I would probably uh, guess, uh, you know, my, my, my thought is that you probably suck less at surfing, let's say, than I do, right? And, and somebody, and again, I, I apologize, <laughs> I don't know who said this, uh, but it was uh, somebody who uh, told me that life, no matter what field of life you're in, whether it's surfing or cooking or, you know, yeah. marketing or whatever, it's a, it's a parade, meaning that as soon as you get in the line of the parade, yeah, there are people behind you that have oh, less yeah. experience than you do, and therefore you can coach them or help oh, them yeah. or encourage them, and there's people ahead of you that can inspire you and mentor you, right? So it's this progressive line. And so if you look at the world of, you know, surfing that, you know, uh, here's Karen and there's a bunch of people in front of you and there's a bunch of people behind you and everybody's trying to do their best to, you know, move that line forward. And, 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 but I love the idea of sucking at something and doing it anyway. And again, the book is, it's great to suck at something, the unexpected joy of wiping out a surfing term and what it can teach us about patience, resilience, and the stuff that really matters. Because we as a people get stuck on so much crap. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I think, and this is going to sound crazy, but I think that if you are, uh, that, you know, 21 is now the new drinking age. It has been that way uh, probably like a decade, right? When I, when I was. Yeah, or more. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was young, I think 18 was the drinking age, you know, and, yeah. and now. And I've come to the conclusion that 21, if you, if you can't, if you cannot be responsible enough to drink until you're 21, you shouldn't be allowed to vote. You shouldn't be allowed to go into the army. Um, you right. shouldn't. Uh, and, and, and to add, and I've added to that list. I keep adding to that list. You shouldn't be on social media because oh, right. you, know, you know there are so many people that are being destroyed by social media. They're being depressed. They're being manipulated. Yeah. Every day by social media, and and it's typically young people with you know young emotion, emotional intelligence, uh, things of that nature. But uh, you know, I I I totally believe that we as as uh, uh, you know as a people need to embrace the suck and <laughs> and and find the unexpected joy of wiping out and starting over again. And, and, you know, and here's the, and here's the reality. When you find somebody, you know, you look at a Walt Disney who filed bankruptcy seven times. I mean, he wiped out seven times. And, <laughs> yeah. And, time, right. and, yeah. And, and one of my favorite stories is he went to his best friend at that time, which is Art Linkletter and Art Linkletter. I believe this is available on YouTube. You can find that Art Linkletter is talking about here is Walt Disney who asked him for a thousand bucks. So he could help secure the land in Anaheim, and wow. and Art Linkletter turned him down because wow. he had failed so much. Art Linkletter said, "No, I'm not going to trust you on this." It was a thousand bucks, and Art Linkletter says, "Could you imagine?" I think he would. I think he was going to get like five or ten percent of Disney at that point. Imagine a thousand bucks, you know, and, and owning ten percent of that uh, of that revenue for life, and and he turned them down and it didn't stop Disney. They, they still remain friends. Uh, he opened his park. He became a gazillionaire. Uh, you know, here he is, you know, a hundred years later and, and Disney is still yep. around and, 
and, and all that yeah. other stuff. And, and, you know, we have to embrace, you know, Failure. we have to yeah. just get over that. We have to embrace, yeah, because, you know, uh, not, to, not to promote my book per se, but in my book, Dominating Your Mind, I talk about how failure is important. And, and I list one of my favorite failures as Elon Musk and SpaceX. So he, he had enough money to launch that rocket ship three times. And, and for those who kept up with it, the rocket ships would take off. I think they all took off perfectly. But the thing that made his program different is that they would land and they wouldn't, you know, and so he had to land these, these rocket ships uh, to be safe. He had to land them on a platform that was floating out in the water, which if you know anything right. about, you know, I mean, that, that's difficult. La- landing on, uh, on a flat surface is difficult. Landing on something that's floating and booing up yeah. and down yeah. is totally. very difficult. And so his first, three, his first three rockets all wiped out, and he, yeah. that's all the money he had. And so he decided to dig a little bit deeper and go for the fourth time. And all his friends were telling him, don't do it. You're going to go into bankruptcy. You're, you're, you already are, you know, critically low on cash. And anyway, so he finally mustered enough money and, and did a fourth launch. It landed perfectly. The next day he got a billion dollar contract from NASA. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and that contract has been going with NASA now for like 10 years or something like that. Uh, so everybody wipes out. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody yeah. that we respect learn. in life wipes out. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I, I, I don't ever get excited about somebody who's never had a failure because I can't relate to that. You know, I mean, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm straight out of high school. I'm, I'm a gazillionaire. I've never had a failure. I've, you know, I've never been rejected. Life is great. I I can't relate to that person, right? I don't think that person. I don't actually think that person exists. I think that story. I think that story exists, but I think that story is a falsity. Uh, You know, I don't think it's real. That's why when you're talking about social media. And, you know, my, my stepdaughter just, you know, got off of social media because she said that she realized that she was, you know, it was making her feel bad and she was addicted to it. And I, she's not alone. There are so many people who are. And partly because what you're looking at is like everybody's quote unquote fabulous life. And I said, no one's life looks that curated, that refined, that beautiful. It's not just, you know, puppies and, and sunsets, <laughs> you know, but and that's what I wanted to do is just say, let's celebrate our failures, but let's celebrate them. We celebrate our own failures, not the failures of others. And then others join. And what I have found in this conversation, it's been the best conversations because people, once you open that door, right, to, to saying, you know, that failure is okay, that, but it's even more than that, that you embrace, embrace the suck, which is a military term, actually. But once you embrace that, that idea People are so happy to join in, and all of a sudden there's humor. That's the thing about my book, too. There's a lot of humor in the book. It is not, you know, going, you know, it's not trial and tribulation. It's funny because it's really funny to mess up, and that's the thing. It's like find the humor in it. Have a good laugh at yourself. Don't take it so seriously because you know what? You're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. 
get over it, move on, and, like, get on the dance floor and let it all hang out, right? That's the one thing people do, don't do. They sit on the sidelines. Everybody wants to dance. I don't think there's one person in the universe. It is the most natural thing for human beings is to want to just dance, and we don't because we think we're going to look foolish, because we're not a good dancer, because we don't have whatever excuse we leave. And it's like dancing is the greatest metaphor. It's like get on the dance floor, let it all hang out, and by the way, who doesn't love the person who is dancing to a beat only they can hear, and it's always beautiful. It always delights everybody. It, people don't look at them and say, what a fool. They think, I want to be able to do that. I want to get out there and be that joyous. And we all do, and it's like for, we can do, all do that. And that's what this book is really just saying. Go out on the dance floor. Get on that surfboard. Well, be careful because it's dangerous, but, you know, do whatever it is you're going to do. You know, pick up that paintbrush and that canvas. You know, so what your paintings are, you know, hideous. It doesn't, who cares, you know, if it makes you happy. And be happy in the doing, not in the succeeding. It's like let go of that reward and goal-driven life that we were told we had to lead all the time. doesn't mean you shouldn't be goal-driven and reward-driven for a lot of it, we are going to be. That's never gonna. That's never gonna go away. I'm saying, give yourself a relief from it, and if you do, you're just gonna find you make a lot more room for love and joy and kindness and community um, and self-forgiveness and open-heartedness. I mean, so much comes out of that, but you have to leave yourself vulnerable to sucking at something um, for that to happen. Absolutely, and. You know, one of the things that you pointed out that I want to uh, emphasize is that most of the time, in fact, all of the time, when you have people who are laughing at the person who's on the dance floor, dancing to their own beat, maybe dancing weird, doing whatever, those people who are hating on them or making fun of them are, 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 are wishing to themselves that they had the courage to do the same thing. That's the reality. Uh, totally. You know, I remember as as a you know, I remember that I was somewhat jealous when two girlfriends could go on a dance floor and dance together because you know oh, nobody yeah. asked you to dance and they just want to dance and have fun and girls could yeah. you know that was like a norm that girls could do. Now flash I'd- forward and and now boys are doing that right they just get out there and start dancing they're not worried about whatever and i thought man it was about time you know it was about yeah. time that yeah. it was okay just to get out there and dance whether you're dancing with a girl or a guy or, or you yeah. know a group of people and and man that's the way to do it and 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 uh karen i want to say thank you so much for stopping by we're out of time but i want to give out the book one more time. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. The book is called It's Great to Suck at Something, The Unexpected Joy of Wiping Out and What It Can Teach Us About Patience, Resilience, and the Stuff That Really Matters. I've enjoyed having you on the show so much. Looking forward to having you back again. Okay, Bert. Such a delight to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. You bet. Good stuff there from Karen Rinaldi. Man, could you imagine? What a great mantra to have. To just go around saying, I'm going to enjoy at sucking at something. It's great to suck at something. That should be a T-shirt. That should be on your wall. That should be on your computer. That should be the uh, what is it, the phrase that pays, the, you know, the, the battle cry, if you will. Ta-da, it's great to suck at something. Um, 
And, you know, sometimes we do have to be careful. Things There are some things that are more dangerous, right? I mean, so jumping, you know, cliff jumping is more dangerous than, you know, jumping off of a dive board. But it's great to suck at something. What a great book. Get it at Amazon, or I'm going to put the link here in the show notes. You can get it here. And as always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help everybody have more forgiveness, have more peace of mind. Let them know it's great to suck at something. And as always, my friends, remember you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.